That situation stinks. Stinks for her, but it stinks for the country. Um, to have arguably your best not on the team for something that's not a performing enhancing drug. Rules matter, standards matter, but there's supposed to be some type of balance and subjectivity. I'm actually surprised that this country and its leadership in that arena of Olympic sports has been as quiet as it has in defense of her. Anderson, appreciate you reporting it as always. I am Chris Cuomo. Welcome to primetime. We just celebrated the birth of our nation. We're all about being free. We are about independence and it is beautiful. And it is a big part of what makes America beautiful. And as an extension of that pride, there should be a nod to the profound sense of purpose that the American experiment requires. This is hard work. And in this country, we have to learn to choose our hard now. It's hard to do things the right way. It's hard to do them the wrong way. Look, that Shikari Richardson story speaks to this. She broke the rule. She admits she broke the rule. Isn't that the end of it? Are all rules equal? Who really loses here? Is weed a performance enhancing drug? I think it's something you got to think about and you got to pick which fights to take. And I'm picking a fight tonight. I must remind you tonight that we are marking six months since January 6th. I know a lot of you are going to roll your eyes. Do me a favor, roll them, but keep them open. All right. Because on that day, many who celebrated this weekend saying they love this country, tried to destroy it. Please keep your eyes open. The FBI released new evidence to capture some of the worst of the worst who are still at large. Do we care about that anymore? Do we care about people that the federal authorities say committed terroristic acts and they can't find them? Do we care? Because we used to care about that more than anything else. There are 11 of the most violent offenders from that day, part of a Trump mob, and that's what they were. And they've yet to be identified. Watch what they were doing. Watch them assaulting officers. Bro, chill, bro. Chill, what the fuck, man? It's interesting to me how many people say, ah, I, wish, I wish the video could be slowed down so I could see it better. And then they'll dismiss that January 6th was a big deal right afterwards. Why do you want to see the video any clearer if you're not willing to accept the reality that is painfully obvious already? What good is it to have a mouth that says blue lives matter if you're going to have hands and feet that do this? Around 140 officers assaulted, some very badly. This is the truth, period. It is no less the truth because Black Lives Matter supporters committed acts of violence, too. Even if you want to believe that the media was okay with what they did, which sure as hell isn't true on this show. But even if you want to say they were, it doesn't change this. And be clear, what happened on January 6th has no equal in terms of what and who was targeted and how. And you know it. These are not tourists. They are terrorists. The FBI said it. Not some partisan hack. Take a look. Do these look like the best among us? Patriots? Just be straight. Forget the left and right. Just be reasonable. If these people were brown, every Trumper would condemn them. 
the right side of the aisle would still be talking about nothing else. Trying to break into the United States Capitol to attack Congress and the vice president. And remember, what were among the last words they heard? These. We're going to have to fight much harder. And Mike Pence is going to have to come through for us. Was never fair to Pence, by the way. He had a ministerial duty. He was never going to change the outcome. And Trump knew that. This weekend, the disgraced ex-president himself told you exactly how he helped hurt us while rambling about nonsense. Listen. There's a word, disinformation. It's called dis- If you say it enough and keep saying it, just keep saying it, they'll start to believe you. You are they. You are they. That's what he does and did. Yes, others do it too. Yes, you can fear radical liberalism. Feel that wokeness, cancel culture are being weaponized against you as white people and that it's unfair. You can believe that. But what legitimacy is there to your belief? If you cannot admit that Trump inciting followers to fight back and go to the Capitol and then they went and did that and tried to break in, if you can't own that, well, where is your intellectual honesty? Where is the integrity of anything that you want to hold as true? This was the worst of all of it. You're not going to find a protest that turned into a riot where they attacked Congress and did these kinds of things to this many cops. So why would you believe that? Trump just told you again that he knows that if he lies enough, many will fall hook, line, and sinker. And they did. One accused Capitol rioter admitted just that to us on this show. I honestly put a man above Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believed in man. Um, I believed what was being told to me. He was the president of our United States. You guys, you guys said after this, that interview to me, what an idiot. He's not even a real Christian. Save the judgment. But don't spare yourself the analysis of why he wants to keep himself out of jail. Yeah, of course. But do you know how many are saying the same thing? What does it mean to you if those who are supposedly the most devout are now saying that the man was a deceiver? Oh, they're only doing it to help themselves. Well, why were they believing it in the first place? You don't think that was just about helping themselves, rationalizing their own anger and frustration, blaming somebody else for their own problems? But you were okay with that part. So now you have only one member of what must be called the party of Trump. It's about nothing else. Only one who's, of course, out of favor because she's not enough about Trump. Joining Democrats to look in what led to this disgrace. What hope does that lead? Leave us for any kind of closure. Let's bring in a better mind. House Oversight Committee Democratic Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett 
former Trump impeachment manager for round two. Welcome back to the show. None of this is new, um, what the state of play is, and yet you move forward anyway because. Because the truth matters, because our country matters, and therefore we must protect it. And part of that protection is accountability and justice. And so without the support of the Republicans, we have to have a select committee uh, that is going to look into not just who, but the how and the why and with what methods they tried to bring down this country on January 6th. Um, And those that will stand with us are the true patriots and are the ones who believe that blue lives, as well as all lives, matter. Counterpoint. The DOJ is already doing that. Congressional bodies can do it within the existing community uh, committees. This special committee is a nod to you not trusting those Mm -hmm. other institutions and wanting to politicize this. Oh, that's not it at all. Uh, Remember that this was an attack on the Congress. This was an attack on our House. And who are we as members of the House if we do not try and protect our House? If we do not utilize the power that is invested in us, the responsibility that we have to ensure that individuals who not only attacked the Capitol, but attacked our democratic uh, institution and our democratic process, are brought to justice. The Justice Department is going after individuals uh, and their mandate is to criminally hold them liable. Our mandate is much broader than that. Our mandate is to ensure that this does not happen again. And we cannot do that through various committees that are each doing hearings in their respective. We have got to bring all of that as a whole. And we tried to do it with Republicans in a bipartisan manner and make sure that the report was done well before the election so that it would not have the uh, the taint of, politic, of, of politics in it. And the Republicans didn't want to do that. These are also the individuals who didn't want to beef up the Capitol Police in the last uh, augmentation of our appropriations. These are the individuals who did not even want to vote to give the medal, uh, a congressional medal, to those officers who protected them. These are individuals who not only, Chris, are, are concerned, are, are not concerned because it was not black and brown lives who did it, but are also not concerned because they are the party of Trump. And if President Trump, the former president, is not in favor of it, they are not in favor of it. They are holding a man above country. They are holding a man above their supposed Mm -hmm. uh, belief that, uh, that the police are important to us. How do they sit in the chamber? Many of them, like Kevin McCarthy, having security details made up of Capitol Police officers that are protecting him on a daily basis, 24 hours a day, and do not believe in supporting them either through an appropriation to ensure that they have the right equipment and right number, but also don't believe that they should receive the Congressional uh, Medal of Honor. That's a shame on him that he has those individuals protecting him and he can't protect them. I hear the arguments. Uh, and, you know, I think that it is regrettable that that party has ceded its authority and its agency to Trump because you guys need strong conservative counters. You need a battle of ideas and you need uh, to be pushed to a point of compromise that makes sense uh, for the greatest number of people. And you don't have it now. 
So that's a problem for all of us. The question is, are you making it any better? Your blame is laid at the right set of feet. They're not going to give you bipartisanship on this. So how can you hope to do anything more than preach to the converted with anything you come up with? And how do you expect to do anything to hold anyone to account just as a political body? Well, we have the power of subpoena. We have the power to bring this uh, to hearings. I have full confidence in uh, the members and Benny Thompson, who is going to be chairing this. He has been masterful in Homeland Security since its creation, along with the other, my other colleagues that are going to be there. And they are going to bring a report that will bring accountability, that will make recommendations to not only support the institution of Congress and Capitol Police, but other institutions. It may be that we need more support in our FBI. It may be that there are issues within the Department of Justice or in other intelligence agencies that we have a responsibility to uh, be accountable to and to review and have oversight over. And they're going to make sure that that's done. Uh, and that's the purpose of having this select committee is not only to bring accountability to Trump and to those individuals who did this, but to bring accountability to our institutions that allowed this to happen. You really think While there's a chance? While at the same time, Chris, you know, we're... we're uh-huh. Go on. I'm sorry. Say what you're going to say, but you know my question. Do you really believe that there is an existing threat that something like this could happen again? Well, we see it. Uh, I'm sure that the threats are continuing. There are threats on individual members. There are threats on institutions. We have wackos uh, within the Trump organization and within his cadre of sycophants who are continuing to try and rally the troops to come back to the Capitol uh, to continue to wreak mayhem on our democratic institutions, talking about Trump uh, coming back into office uh, during the August. While we we're trying, as I was going to say, to do the people's business, to work out a bipartisanship in an agreement on infrastructure that our president has brought forward, President Biden, to work on jobs, to work on wealth creation in African-American communities and other places, to ensure that we have uh, the support so that women can go back to work who have lost so much during the COVID pandemic. Those are the things that Democrats and those of us who want to work in a bipartisan manner are attempting to do while at the same time, you know, protecting our voting rights, uh, ensuring that a police justice and police reform takes place. We have to, at the same time, make sure that the Capitol and our democratic institutions hold fast during this time. I appreciate you, Representative, making the case on Cuomo Primetime. Thank you for joining us. Stacey Plaskett. Thank you for bringing this up. Thank you for not letting us forget. All right. Be well. You're always welcome. Speaking of never forget, still doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand this conservatorship thing with Britney Spears. And I'm talking to all these experts in that area of law and trying to find other examples to bring it up to you for it to make more sense. And I can't. I've never seen a case like this. This celebrity, but adult individual, is good enough to perform. Knock us all off our socks. Everybody who sees her show is like, I can't believe it. But she can't run her own life. Legally, she's not allowed to do that, even though legally she can go out and work and wow crowds. But somehow that's something different. What is she, a dolphin? A key member of her team is asking to quit, along with a key figure in her fight for independence. Why? Let's talk to her former lawyer next.
Hashtag free Britney. Movement is in limbo tonight. Why? Her court-appointed attorney, Sam Ingham, submitted a petition to resign. Comes just two weeks after the pop star's bombshell testimony in which she called the nearly 13-year conservatorship abusive and asked for it to be terminated. Ingham, notably, did not file any paperwork to that end. But his resignation is just the latest within Spears' circle. Also, Larry Rudolph, manager of 25 years, resigned today, citing Spears' intent to retire. Hmm. Last week, Bessemer Trust, the wealth management firm that was ordered to oversee Spears' $60 million estate alongside her father, Jamie, stepped down as well, citing Spears' desire to end the arrangement. What can we glean from these resignations? What does it mean? for this as a legal situation. Adam Streisand, Britney Spears' former attorney, did not resign under similar circumstances, by the way. Welcome to primetime. What do you make of these? And by the way, are they to be seen the same way? Let's start with the money guys. That one seems to be different uh, than the manager and the lawyer. But how do you see it? Well, I see it as a lot of people made a lot of money off of Britney over many years. But now... Uh, people are worried about their reputations, right? I mean, Bessemer doesn't want to be a co-conservator because what financial institution wants its slogan to be, trust us, we'll take over your life against your will, right? That's not a good look. Mm. Uh, And her manager as well. Um, But, you know, they're dropping like flies now, finally, after Brittany has had an opportunity to talk to us directly about what's been going on. So why would the manager drop? And why would the lawyer drop without and what without advocating for her own case well let's talk about let's talk about the lawyer for a second okay Uh, despite a litany of troubling questions about sam ingham's involvement uh he now is finally resigning reportedly because he's upset about what what britney said about him and reportedly he's contradicting uh britney's testimony and saying well he told her that she had the opportunity to seek termination and she ignored his advice advice okay i have i have two things to say about that first how does tmz know what sam ingham and britney spears spoke to in private in this country we have we have an attorney client privilege mm-hmm. and it applies even if your feelings get hurt about what your client says okay and the second thing is uh uh we're now supposed to believe uh, that it was Britney's fault, that it was Britney's choice to ignore her lo- lawyer's advice. And, and isn't that inconsistent with, with what Sam Ingham told the judge just eight months ago, that Britney is like a comatose patient who can't even say what she thinks or wants? And how does she perform? And how, and how does she perform? And she, she has, this, conservatorships are supposed to be for people who can't function in right. life. How is it possible that she is able to function so well uh, on stage, on tour, make millions of dollars uh, for all of these people? And somehow she needs a conservatorship. I mean, so the, what are we the, missing? Because now you got Jamie Spears, the father, asking the court to investigate Britney's claims, which is very weird. It's a great delay tactic, uh, by the way, especially when he's not going to pay for any of that. The estate will. Either the allegations will be shown to be true, in which case corrective action must be taken, or they will be shown to be false, in which case the conservatorship can continue its course. It's not acceptable for the conservatives or the court to do nothing in response to Ms. Spears' testimony. How crazy is it? 
when the guy that she's going yeah. after is the only one who wants the situation to be litigated. Right. Well, it is weird. Uh, and, and if Jamie wants to do her daughter a favor, he ought to resign. It's, it's long overdue. Uh, he should never have been put in, in place in the first place. Chris, thousands of people could have been made the conservator. You didn't need to have to have her father or as her lawyer calls her, uh, calls Jamie daddy. Um, Jamie's lawyer calls him daddy. Um, he, you know, conservatorships are supposed to protect people who are vulnerable. Why would you choose someone to be conservator who makes the conservatee feel even more vulnerable? You know, this this conservatorship was supposedly justified because there were men who were manipulating Brittany. So we needed a conservatorship, I guess, uh, to allow different men to manipulate and control her. I mean, the real tragedy in Brittany's life is that we adultified her as a child, and we need to stop infantilizing her as an adult. I get it. Look, I don't see the gender play here so much. Uh, putting the father in charge is something that sometimes happens, but there's a, a bigger problem here, and I still don't understand it. And anything you can figure out about it, please give us a call. I'll have you back to discuss. I don't understand why this judge isn't engaging in what always happens in these situations based on my research, which is this bona fide fight over the competency of the individual involved. That's what happens in every one of these other cases that I can find. It's not her dad saying, yeah, let's look into it. It's who's your doctor? Who's my doctor? And let's talk about who I am and what kind of shape I'm in. And it's not happening here. And that's weird. Adam Streisand, thank you for the insight. Appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Now, I want to take you inside the game. I really believe that this is going to pay off uh, for you guys if you pay attention. Probably won't rate, but that doesn't matter. Some things just have to resonate. Some things just matter. This talk of isolating the game is everything because it's why you hate politics. Okay, it's why you hate what they do. And there are far few, there are few who spew more than Senator Ron Johnson. We just got our hands on new proof to show you that he knows he's playing the game. Next. Breaking news, Elsa is strengthening. Once again, back to a Cat 1 hurricane. That means 75 miles plus in wind that is sustained. It is moving parallel to the west coast of Florida. Cat 1 is plenty strong enough to do damage. It's expected to make landfall tomorrow morning in the state's Big Bend region. We're seeing storms like Elsa too frequently. This is the earliest we have ever had this many named storms again. That's why we need to call out garbage in the form of the game. The target tonight, Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson. To CNN and his local paper, he says stuff like, my statements are consistent. I'm not a climate change denier. Then our K-File team finds this when he's back home at a Republican women's lunch. You know, when you speak the truth. I don't know about you guys, but I think climate change is, as, as Lord Moncton said. Okay. Um, and by the way, it is. Sounds like a denier, no? Just a month ago. Climate change, it doesn't have a chance. When a pandemic can be ignored and January 6th could be called a group of terrorists by this same guy. Now, many see Johnson as just selling stupid. I see something worse. I know this guy. I remember him when he came to the Senate, a businessman 
And he said, I don't know anything about this politics. I'm just here to make things happen, just to make deals, find progress. He wanted to come on my show and show economic theories and principles and do charts to justify policies. Now he's this. This is how he responds to a heat wave gripping North America, almost 100 dead in Oregon. It is obvious what he's doing wrong. He keeps doing it because that's the game. Whether it was in 2010 when he said, I absolutely do not believe in the science of man-caused climate change. Or when he's repeatedly tried to play dumb while suggesting that Greenland's name is enough to dismiss the climate crisis. He's saying it because it works. Because that's what the game does as long as you're willing to dumb down and divide. Six in ten Americans know that global warming is already happening. And that's with half the aisle trying to get you to deny science like they did with the pandemic. Republicans, the number is half that. This is the problem with the game. Half? Johnson knows the more you see the blue line on something like this go up, the more he's happy to stand in opposition. Never mind his home state is facing far-ranging consequences for the state's major economic centers, sectors due to what? The reality of climate change. I bet you if Congress serves up money to help states like that, Johnson's going to want some. Well, I thought it didn't exist. That's the game. If he cared about serving the people of his state, he'd care about how many times he's been caught talking out of both sides of his mouth. There's no shame in that game, though, right? Hypocrisy's fine as long as it gets you where you want to be. It's the game. Make it stop. Now, Johnson also insists that the Capitol attack was not an armed insurrection. That they didn't have enough weapons. They stayed within the rope lines. We just showed you the new video. He knows he's BS on this, but it doesn't matter because it works. So what does a key Democrat make of the ongoing mockery of January 6th? The House Majority Whip. What is accountability? What needs to happen next? Six months to the day, and we are as in a bad spot. The bad spot as on January 6th itself. While the party of Trump wants you to think that what the FBI called a terror attack was really nothing, it is likely more that January 6th represents everything about why our Congress and our country are suffering hard times. Let's discuss with House Majority Whip Democrat James Clyburn. Congressman, good to have you. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for having me. So I was speaking earlier with uh, Representative Plaskett about the point of this commission. If you don't have bipartisan buy-in, what do you hope to achieve that will get you to any kind of consensus on this? Well, you know, uh, having these discussions in the Congress are very, uh, is very, very important. We uh, know what happened on January 6th. Uh, we now uh, have a committee uh, that's been uh, established by the speaker. Uh, she's picked uh, eight outstanding people uh, to uh, carry out uh, this investigation. I would hope uh, that the minority leader, uh, Kevin McCarthy, will appoint the five. And then let's get to finding out who and why. We know what. And we know where. We need to find out who and why. So I think that it's bipartisan already. Nobody 
can uh, deny uh, that the Republican Nancy Pelosi has put on there is anything but a Republican. So it is bipartisan. If Kevin doesn't participate, let's go forward with these eight and see if can we get to the bottom of it. Problem is we're stuck in a time where people pretend that the truth is what they want it to be. Uh, January 6th is an egregious example of it because we all saw, heard, and felt the same things. It gets trickier with your other big battle, uh, which is voting rights. You said something that had my radio audience on fire today. Jim Clyburn says nobody in the Democratic Party is against voter ID. He's always been okay with voter ID. It's just what the standard is that is his issue. And all the callers wanted to talk about it today. Um, Make the case in light of this criticism. No, no, no. The Democrats say they don't like voter ID, that it's disproportionately um, a suppressive device and a chilling effect on people who live in big areas and take mass transit and don't want to go to the DMV or don't have the time or the access to go. Uh, And that's what the response usually is. You say, no, we're fine with it, with a but. What's your case? As long as the voter ID is an ID that everybody has access to. And one of those things happened to be the voter registration card. When I went to register the vote, I got a card. I keep it in my wallet. You might not be able to read it because I've had it there so long. Every time I go vote, I present my ID. Now, this has always been. The problem was when they started saying you got to have uh, a photo ID and a photo from a hunting license is okay. But a photo from a student activity card is not okay. That's a bunch of junk. That's what we're against. We are against IDing yourself. And so when Joe Manchin came forward with voter ID and they said using things that people's utility bills and that sort of thing to determine who they are, that's all right. But when you start telling me that I got to have a photo ID, I don't drive anymore, I don't have a, a driver's license, and I got to have uh, some kind of government-sponsored ID, and you make me pay for it, that's a problem. And we've always been against that. We have never been against IDing yourself when you go vote. Mm. Congressman, yes. you know what this is about. This is about them getting more than them, them getting more of theirs and less of yours. You got to forgive me. I got the COVID tongue. Sometimes the brain moves faster than my <laughs> mouth can. Uh, that's what this is about. It's about maximizing their number and minimizing your number. And everybody knows it. And, you know, they'll say, oh, well, hunting licenses are state IDs. And that, that, that's why they're OK. And school IDs aren't. But that's beside the point. Why isn't the fix this? When you go to the polls and you show up and you say, I am handsome Congressman Jim Clyburn, they take a picture of you and it goes into the database with you as Jim Clyburn. And then it's there every time you come to vote and you don't have to present anything. You're already in the system. Yeah, that's true. Here in South Carolina, what we did was you go and you get a photo ID as your voter registration card. So you register to vote anymore, pick the picture right there and it's on your card. Nobody's got a problem with that. So why don't you just do that in every state? Make that federal law. Give them the money to do it. it, uh, Well, I think that that's one way uh, for reconciliation to work. If we put that in uh, to the bill, uh, then you have to start spending money. And then reconciliation can apply to the budget. And maybe 
uh, that's the way to go. But to be serious about it, so long as the ID is standard for everybody, we don't have a problem with it. But don't give me something different than you give the other guy. You think you got any chance of getting this done? Yes, I do. Why? I really believe that we are going to pass uh, S1, uh, which went over as HR1. And I really believe uh, that uh, S1 uh, will incorporate uh, the things that we think are important in uh, the John Lewis uh, Voter uh, uh, Education uh, and uh, Advancement Act. That's what we want to see happen. S1 should be, uh, should incorporate the John Lewis, uh, which is HR4. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be watching it. Uh, it certainly matters. And I wasn't kidding. I think that's the great fix. Just have them do it when you show up at the polls. Put the money from it. Uh, put the money into that, and then everybody's happy. There's your ID. Congressman Jim Clyburn, thank you very much for making the case. Be well. Thank you very much. All right. God bless. To the war against vaping. We're sleeping on vaping again. You notice that? You got kids? That's why I started talking to you about this. All right? I got it in my home. All right? Every, everybody's kid is susceptible to this. So... And they knew what they were doing. They were saying that vape will make people stop smoking. That works for some adults. It's had the opposite effect with kids. They're vaping like crazy, and everybody knows it. So could a major e-cigarette maker be put out of business soon in America because of this? We're going to talk to a parent of a teen who is recovering from vaping addiction. And let me tell you something. I know her. She's a good parent. This happens to all kinds of people everywhere. Now she wants to raise awareness It is still a crisis, even though it's not in the headlines. Next. It's been three years since the FDA declared youth vaping an epidemic. The agency now has a hefty decision on its plate. Should Juul, the most well-known vaping company in the U.S., be allowed to continue selling its e-cigarettes? The company, e-cigs, they're called. The company, after all, did agree to pay the state of North Carolina $40 million to settle a lawsuit that was complaining the company marketed its products to kids and misled us about the risks. That's just one of thousands of suits lodged against the company. Juul, for its uh, part, did not admit intentionally targeting youth. The company and its defenders, like Greg Conley, the president of the American Vaping Association, make this argument. If you ban flavors, you're going to increase smoking. And the most popular flavors among adults, contrary to a lot of the rhetoric, are sweet and fruits. Your argument is our kids will smoke unless they vape? That's what you're trying to say? We don't want any youth to vape, but the reality is youth experiment. We just saw from 2018 to 2019 the largest decrease in teen smoking that we've ever seen. Yeah, but the question is, is what they're doing now killing them? Because what goes into your devices is causing a lot of problems around this country. And how do you not have responsibility for that? Now, here is the answer to the question. They are responsible. And too many kids are drawn to vaping by marketing and peer pressure. As much or more than cigarettes today. Ask a parent who pays attention. Dorian Furman is the co-founder of PAVE. Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes. It's good to have you on Primetime. Thank you for having me, Chris. We saw each other this weekend. I told Dorian I would cover it, and here we are. Because it still matters. It's not in the headlines. Here we are. Shame on us. But the problem continues. 
Uh, the idea that we have moved past this, what have you learned uh, in your advocacy work about what's happening today with kids and vaping? We, we haven't moved past this. I think it's a problem because we're not talking about it. You know, um, Juul created the youth vaping epidemic. They did not launch their e-cigarette device to help adults quit smoking. They created a sexy new nicotine delivery system and the kids flocked to it about five years ago. And, you know, this is personal for me. My son um, was introduced to Juul in the summer before ninth grade. But what really got us started was when we discovered that Juul had sent a representative into our kids' ninth grade class under the guise of an alcohol and drug anti-addiction talk and proceeded to tell the kids without the school's knowledge that Juul was totally safe and about to get FDA approval. And the issue is that today there are almost four million kids who are vaping in this country and we're not doing anything about it. And at the same time, the FDA is considering authorizing flavored e-cigarette products. It's just unacceptable. We can't let that happen. Their pushback is that it does help people get off cigarettes and that has not been connected to the same kind of health risks yet. What do you say? Well, you know what? There's no proof to that. And um, let's be clear. Juul is big tobacco and big tobacco is Juul. Um, they are owned now in part by Altria, which is Philip Morris and Marlboro. And they are up to the old tricks of big tobacco. They paid to have a peer reviewed journal of their own paid research published and open, you know, no, um, no subscription necessary so that everyone could see that Juul was helpful for smokers. But this is, this is paid research. It's what Big Tobacco used to do in the 50s when they paid um, doctors to tell their patients that they should smoke cigarettes. So there is no proof that it helps um, adult smokers quit smoking, but there is proof that kids are addicted to flavors. And you know we represent the millions of parents around this country um, who are dealing with this vaping epidemic in their homes, you know, firsthand. Here's what Jules says uh, about the settlement. And I'll give you a chance to respond to it. Um, we're going to put it up. Good. This settlement is consistent with our ongoing effort to reset our company as we continue to combat underage usage and advance the opportunity for harm reduction for adult smokers. We seek to continue to earn trust through action. For example, we cease the distribution of our non-tobacco, non-menthol flavored products in advance of FDA guidance and halted all mass market, uh, mass market product advertising. Um, how do you view this, uh, this stated change in course to right their ways? You know what? They haven't really changed course. The... Um the most popular flavor among teens today is menthol. And they have left their menthol pod on the market and they are applying for FDA approval for that menthol pod. Over 40% of kids are vaping menthol and you know, dozens percentage more are, are vaping iced flavors, the iced candy, which aren't drool, but they're iced and they're mentholated. You know, the FDA made an incredible um, announcement in April that they were going to start the rulemaking process to end the sale of menthol cigarettes because menthol is incredibly toxic and incredibly addictive. Mm. You know, for that same reason, they should not approve any menthol e-cigarette products because menthol is toxic and menthol amplifies the impact of nicotine in the product. And is, you know, we have a whole generation of kids who would have never vaped. They would have never smoked cigarettes 
And now we have a generation of nicotine addicts. And the health effects of it are real and palpable, and you can find them online. Dorian Furman, thank you Awful. for the advocacy. Appreciate you being with us. Thank you. And come to parentsagainstvaping.org and, you know, join, join us and, and fight back. We'll be right back. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. Don Lemon tonight gets the upgrade as D. Lemon sees if he can eat his body weight in nachos. Laura Coates is at the helm. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.